0: Well, good morning. Like I mentioned last week, we're going to step away from our study of the divided kingdom of the passage we were going to look at today. We will cover Eric will cover that next week. So we're not going to miss anything in that. But I want to cover a topic that I taught six years ago in this class and it's a topic that's uh, it had an impact on me and it had an impact on our class as well let me ask you this um, have you ever been to a gone to a place and you didn't know anyone you were a stranger and you felt alone you felt isolated you felt disconnected from the people anyone been at a place like that, even at church, even at a church. Yeah. How many of you have been to a place you, or you've gone someplace and you, you didn't know anyone? You felt maybe a little insecure or whatever. But someone reached out to you and welcomed you in a very meaningful way that was very touching. That ever happen? You never forget it, do you? Well today I want to (coughs) look at the topic of biblical hospitality the obligation of every believer it's actually not a topic we hear taught about a lot certainly as a, a topical study but as we're going to see the Bible God has much to say about this topic and you need to be all ears. Now, I want to tell you, I am going to cover a lot of Scripture. I'm only going to ask you to turn to one Scripture. But every Scripture is going to be on the screen. So I want your eyes laser focused on the flow that we're covering here visually. There is going to be a handout at the end, but uh, I decided to give that to you at the end so you don't look down and look ahead. I think actually it'll be of more benefit that way to you. But you don't need to take notes. You're going to get every point covered visually in every scripture. I want to begin with a story. Uh, A number of years ago, I had a business trip to London. And I wanted to arrange my travel such that I could attend Metropolitan Tabernacle Church. That is the church where Charles Spurgeon pastored. And so I, I arranged my travel and uh, th- that Sunday morning I took the subway about 45 minutes and um, popped up across the street from Metropolitan Tabernacle and I was very excited to go there. <coughs> I, I went in I was a little bit late for the service but uh, obviously it's much different than in Spurgeon's day back in the 1800s but I I really enjoyed the service, very different in a number of ways, but uh, I just was thrilled to to be there in the same place where Spurgeon had his ministry. Of course, the church has pretty much been rebuilt, I later learned, uh, due to the war, uh, war damage. But um, after the the service, you know, I was um, filled spiritually, but my stomach was kind of empty, and so I was ready for lunch. And I, I walked outside. Of course, I know no one. And I walk outside and I come down and I, I actually see a guy uh, closing up a gate, locking up a gate there. And I just walk over and I say, excuse me, uh, you know, I was looking for a place to go to lunch. Are there any recommendations that you might have? And he said, sure, you know, if you're interested in this, you go over here. If, if you want this kind of food, go there. I thanked him. I turned and, and I was on my way. Well, I walk about 20 yards and I feel this tap on my shoulder. And it was, it was this guy, I turn around and he said, excuse me, but I, I just realized that you attended our church and I would like to know if you would, would like to join my family and some other families having lunch down in the basement. I was floored I said that's awesome I would love to do that and so I did we went back and it was a very simple lunch and I always have to take pictures to capture moments and this is it and I got to visit with some people and meet them and interact a little bit and I thought how awesome is this it just was was very meaningful to me. Well, this guy here, he was, he was the guy that came and got me. Um, after lunch, he said, you know what, I'm a janitor here. And would you like a tour of the church? I said, that would be awesome. I would love that. And so he took me on a tour of the church and he gave me some of the history about how it had been rebuilt and what happened you know, after Spurgeon died and so on. And we went around and he showed me Uh, there's a a bust that you see of Spurgeon and a portrait that was hanging. He just gave me all this interesting background. And I thought, how cool is this? It was so neat. And you can see his name is Brian. Notice his arm around me. (laughs) Sorry. Just a very loving man. Well, I told him, I said this afternoon I plan to go to the British uh, Museum. You know famous world famous museum. And uh, look at the look at the books that I'm holding. He said oh if you're going there you've got to have. This book that our pastor wrote because he talks about this that's at the the British Museum that relates to Old Testament history. He loaded me up with several resources. and. I mean, he he just went overboard in in helping me. And his name is Brian, just a a wonderful man. And it was it was moving for me. Um, Well, I left. I went to the British Museum and spent the afternoon there. I wanted to come back to church that evening. I'm going to soak it all up. And so, again, I pop up uh, at the subway across the street with this view here and I notice these guys doing street evangelism and they're and I I, so I just sit stand back and observe and they're seminary students and that's what they do Sunday evening is a very evangelistic service they do street evangelism and then invite people to come to church that evening and so I I just I'm standing back observing and finally one of the seminary guys comes over and, and I introduced myself tell him I'm a believer I'm you know here from the US and just had come to church today as part of a business trip and he said well my wife and I would like to invite you to come sit with us in church would you like to do that I said that would be awesome th- that would be so cool and so we did they were a lovely couple um, so went to the service after the service he said I would like you to go meet the pastor would you be interested in doing that that would be awesome I mean I'm just floored it's just one thing after another and so I go back and I meet the pastor in his office and he explains uh, he's got Spurgeon's pulpit that is Spurgeon's pulpit right there the timepiece that he looked at built into the pulpit there and uh, that's the last portrait that was made of Spurgeon. And that's the pastor there. Uh, and I, you know, we have a little short conversation. And I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with what the day has brought. Well, I, I leave his office and um, the couple who invited me, the seminary couple uh, who invited me to sit with him that evening, they said, well, would you be interested in coming to our place for dinner? That would be awesome. (laughs) I mean, it's just one thing after another. And so they said, well, it's a bit of a walk. You know, it's like 25, 30 minutes. We don't do that in Texas. But in London, they do. So we walked to their place. It was a very uh, small, you know, apartment. And she had nothing prepared, but she went in to the kitchen and started whipping something up. And they said, well, we would like to eat out in our garden, their backyard. They call it the garden. And this is the couple. And we just had a lovely meal. Lovely time. You can see it's getting dark. It's been a full day. And I leave there just full. Just um, thinking, wow, what, what this day has brought—it's just uh, so meaningful. I was very convicted in this area of hospitality, because we don't do that well in America. You can go to a lot of foreign countries, and unbelievers are far more hospitable than a lot of American Christians, and in, in including myself. And so I really became convicted. So I want to talk about hospitality and challenge both me and you. Let's let's think about first of all the definition of hospitality. Hospitality the Greek word means love of strangers. Real clear. We're not talking about fellowship fellowship is with people that you know. That maybe you know well and that, that fellowship is appropriate. We're talking about how you interact personally with people you don't know. That's what hospitality is. Historically for those traveling it could be expressed in in terms of providing food, providing shelter and protection. Uh, Maybe we don't think of that in America but you can imagine in a lot of of context, a lot of periods in history that could very well be relevant but it still has applicability today. Uh, One particular Uh, dictionary will say it says quote in the Bible as in the ancient world in general hospitality involves receiving strangers especially travelers who then become guests or are treated as friends rather than merely reinforcing pre-existing friendships or bonds of affection so hospitality it's it's kindness in welcoming and meeting the needs of strangers and there's two areas of of application really in mind outside the context of the local church and then certainly within the context of the local church and although I'll mention both clearly the the key focus is within the context of the local church now I'm going to be covering a lot of scriptures but again everything is here visually for you to see. Again, the Lord has much to say about hospitality, beginning in the old testament uh, now i'm I'm not going to focus on the details or the cultural customs in terms of how hospitality was practiced, but more, what are the commands that God gives his people and the motivations the kind of the reasons why God expects that of his people that's going to be our our real focus so first of all in terms of commands and expectations strangers were not to be oppressed or treated wrongly in Exodus 22:21, 21 Moses wrote you shall not wrong a stranger that comes straight from God you shall not wrong a stranger and and that word stranger it it can mean someone from a foreign country Someone, they're not from around these parts. Uh, Maybe they don't speak the same language. They're a a temporary dweller. They're an alien. They're passing through. They have a different culture. They're just different. But it it also could be you just don't know them. They could be someone who culturally could be disadvantaged for, for different reasons. God says... Going all the way back to Moses. Don't treat those people wrongly. A stranger. In Exodus 23, 9, you shall not oppress a stranger in any physical, any emotional way. You don't do that, God says to his people. Secondly, strangers were to be treated generously. In Leviticus nineteen ten. It's talking about uh, its instructions about gleaning a field, you know, gathering crops or grain and how you should leave some on the outskirts, in the corners. Don't try to pick up every little piece, God says in Leviticus 19.10. Or if, if some fruit has fallen, leave it. Why? You shall leave them for the stranger. God told his people to make provision for strangers. They're to be treated generously. And then in Deuteronomy 14, 29, talking about the tithe that would be given every third year and that they would store in, in certain cities, God said, through, again, through Moses, so that the alien shall come and eat and be satisfied. Those provisions were to be made for aliens for strangers among others. You can also think about the example of Abraham. You remember in Genesis 18 when the three strangers the three heavenly visitors came. uh, Abraham didn't really know who they were and what did Abraham do they to him they were just strangers. He ran to meet them. He asked that they stay and rest. He had their feet washed. He said Sarah quickly go make some bread. And he had a choice calf prepared for them to eat. That was him practicing hospitality to strangers. It was major effort and initiative on his part. Also, strangers were to be loved. Leviticus 1934 says the stranger shall be to you as the native among you. You shall love him as yourself that's a whole other ball game. It's not just being nice. You're to treat them as, as friends, as family, just like you would others whom you know well. Deuteronomy 10, 18 and 19 says, show your love for the alien. The person who, again, is, is a foreigner to you. you. You don't know them at all. So those are uh, commands, again, going all the way back to Moses about God's expectation of his people, the people whom he had chosen to represent him. And he says, this is how I want you to act towards strangers and aliens. Now, what are some of the reasons why? Well, first of all, because God commanded it. I mean, Leviticus 1934, God just simply says, you shall do these things. I am the Lord, your God. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. God says, do it. But God also gives some other reasons in Scripture why he is telling his people to do this. He says, because God's people know what it's like to live as strangers. Exodus 23, 9. Moses wrote, you shall do this since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger. For you also were strangers in the land of Egypt. God says you you know Israelites you know what it's like to be in a foreign land to be oppressed. To feel disadvantaged and and you need to remember that because other people still feel that way and you need to treat them as you need to love those people. It was true of Israel. Uh, many of you raised your hand. It's been true of you. It's been true of me where we we go someplace and we feel I mean, even at church, we can feel disconnected, alone, distant, even at times, unwanted, unwelcomed. People pass us by. Don't even make eye contact. They know we're a stranger. We're not on their radar. And, and we have done that behavior as well ourselves thirdly another reason why is because God shows love grace and kindness towards aliens and strangers Deuteronomy 10 18 and 19 says he God shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing Psalm 68 6 says God I love this verse God makes a home for the lonely that's the heart and nature of God Psalm 146, 9, the Lord protects the stranger. Another reason why is because it brings blessing from God. In Deuteronomy fourteen twenty nine, um, it says you, you should do these things toward the aliens, um, alien people among others, among you in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand, which you do. God says, you do these things, obey me, and there will be blessings from it. Another reason why is because withholding it could bring judgment. Deuteronomy 23, 3 and 4. This is where uh, God, through Moses, this is before they're about to go into the promised land, He says, no, Ammonite or Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Verse four, because they did not meet you with food and water on the way when you came out of Egypt. They were an inhospitable people. And God is bringing judgment on them because of that. Well, this is a summary of those commands and expectations and reasons why from The Old Testament. It's amazing how. How much focus God put on that. As an expectation of his people. Going all the way back. To Moses. But wait there's more. Because the New Testament. Also has a lot to say. About hospitality. First of all. There's a command and expectation. Of Christian people. In the New Testament. That. That demonstrating it demonstrating hospitality is a requirement for church leadership in other words for an elder this is true in first timothy three titus one those passages that cover requirements qualifications of an elder first timothy three two and an overseer or an elder must then must be among other things what hospitable it's not like it'd be great if you could be like that Or you should be, it's a requirement that you be hospitable. Titus 1 7 and 8. The overseer must be, again, among other things, hospitable. Among all the possible character qualifications of a leader that could be mentioned, God, through the Holy Spirit, mentions this one among some other key ones. It matters. Leaders are to be the example by their own hospitality. And like the other qualifications, they are they're to have and maintain a pattern of obedience in this area and demonstrating this, this Christian character trait. doesn't mean perfection. We, we fail, but it's a clear pursuit. They're to have leader, church leaders are to have homes ready to be opened up for others. And they're to have hearts that are open to other people people that they don't know, people who are new, people who are strangers, seeking to connect with them and and meet their needs. But beyond just church leaders, it's also a mark of a spiritual woman. In 1 Timothy 5, 9 and 10, it talks about uh, widows who were to be, you know, who had been faithful and they are now to be supported in that stage of life by the church. And it says a widow is to be put on the list In other words, for getting assistance only if she, among other things, has shown hospitality to strangers. It's a mark of a mature Christian woman that she has a reputation of showing hospitality towards strangers. It's not hospitality is not just appropriate for elders and spiritual women, but it's also a commandment for all believers. All believers are to practice it out of brotherly love. Romans 12, 10 through 13 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, among other things, practicing hospitality. That's a command to all believers. We're to all do that. That word practicing, it means to strive after with effort. Folks being hospitable takes effort. You can't be lazy and be hospitable. It takes planning. It take, you have to be intentional about it. And the word, it's a present tense uh, word which means you continually do it. So believers are to continually practice showing hospitality, showing a love of strangers. Let me just ask you honestly. Does that reflect who you are? Does that reflect your heart day in and, you know, in in just the big scheme of things? What would be the evidence in your life that you do practice that as we're commanded to do? First Peter four, eight and nine says above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Uh, and really, the, the context there would be to other believers who maybe they're coming in from they're traveling through or they're new to your church, new to your town or city. Um, we're commanded to be hospitable to other believers. Another command and expectation is that it is to be extended to believers, strangers, even enemies. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew 5 sermon on the mount but I say to you love your enemies verse 46 for if you love those who love you what reward do you have do not even the tax collectors do the same if you greet if you happily welcome only your brothers what more are you doing than others do not even the Gentiles do the same that's the behavior of unbelievers Of pagan people they're kind to their own do you go beyond that to show love even toward those who are not your friends another command is don't neglect it in Hebrews 13 1 and 2 you know you have commands to do something here's a command to make sure you don't neglect doing it verse 2 do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers don't overlook it. Don't forget it. Be mindful of it. It mentions here for some have entertained angels without knowing it. That's not a reference to like there's secret angels walk, walking around among us in the form of human people. No, the readers would know that's a reference going back to Abraham. Where there really was heavenly visitors with him. And the point is you never know how far reaching the impact of your act of kindness really is. And it's a motivation to to just treat all people, all strangers with importance. It's also to it's to be given without complaint. Peter in 1 Peter 4 9 said again it's a command, be hospitable, how are you to do it? Without complaint. Why is that important? Well, what causes, what kind of complaining can we do? Um, we, we might not have the right attitude, the right motivation. What are some common complaints? Well, I, my house is not clean. I'm a busy person. I have other plans. And you seem to always have other plans. Or maybe I always have other plans. You know, the expense, the time. I'm just, ex- you know, whatever. Whatever. You get the idea. Folks, hospitality is a privilege and we should practice it with joy in reflecting Christ, not with some attitude that treats it like drudgery. It's a privilege to do this. Another command and expectation from the New Testament is don't extend it to a false teacher seeking to destroy fundamental Christian truths. They're just, they're teaching false things and they're, They're asking you to put them up to help facilitate doing that the the book of second John is written. I mean the, the theme of that book is Christian hospitality and false teachers and it mentions there in verse 10 if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. So there are limits there are boundaries to whom you show hospitality to false teachers is beyond that boundary. It also involves not only receiving but but also sending the book of third John the theme of that (laughs) book is Christian hospitality and faithful ministers and it says there in verse five beloved if you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren especially when they are strangers then you have. You have uh, testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way. How? In a manner worthy of God. So hospitality, it's not only receiving people, but it's, it's sendi- sending them on when they leave in a way where they're, they're provisioned, they're cared for, they're, they're on their journey in a well-supported manner. Wow. Wow. Look at the commands and expectations of Christian people regarding being hospitable from the New Testament. Well, there's also some reasons why. And again, Scripture elaborates on why we should do this as motivation. Clearly, because Christ commands it. We've seen the commands in Scripture. Multiple New Testament books, multiple New Testament authors all speak of this all through under the inspiration of the holy spirit and they give us this instruction as as apostles as representatives of Christ himself they speak on behalf of Christ through the holy spirit so we do it because Christ commands it but it's also a natural expression of love it reflects Christ when we when we're hospitable to folks john 13:35 says Uh, we're to do this, we're to love one another. And that, I mean, that's the second greatest commandment in all of life is to love people and to love them well. And that certainly applies to to people who are just not our friends. I'm reminded of the golden rule. Again, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 12. What did Christ say? Do to others what you would have them to do. Do you like to be welcomed when you go to some place and you don't know anyone? Then treat people like that. Anticipate their needs. Be the person who makes a difference in their life. That is loving people, and it reflects the heart of Christ. Another reason is that it enabled ministry and mission work. Jesus relied on the practice of hospitality when he sent out his disciples. You remember in in Mark six eight through eleven where he sent out the twelve in pairs and what did he tell them initially he said don't take anything for your journey only a staff no bread no bag no money in their belt and why did he say that he said because we're relying on the hospitality of people along the way to provide for you so Hospitality can enable ministry and mission work also it allowed travel due to limited and unsafe alternatives many many ends of the of the time here in the first century they were of low standard, both uh, materially as well as morally and a Christian traveler would often not want to be found in such an unattractive place and so It was something that allowed safe uh, travel for other believers also many scattered due to the persecution some with real material need think about you know after Stephen was stoned what happened big persecution broke out Christians scattered all over the place they had to leave their homes material things behind and hospitality was something that uh, was to care for people. You see that in Acts 11:19. Also, its scope distinguishes believers from unbelievers. We saw in Matthew f- 5 where Jesus said to love your enemies. Um, he says, if if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than than unbelievers? Folks, when you come to church, do you mainly just greet your friends? you mainly just greet the people who you like and you know or is it on your heart to reach out to people you don't know we have to we have to behave like jesus told us to behave as his people that is totally distinct from unbelievers we are to express love and hospitality to strangers worldly unsaved people invite their friends over parties that's what they do Christians are to be different we're to love and care in a a manner that's different we're called to do more now I want you to turn to Matthew 25 we've looked at a lot of scripture but here's the first one I'll ask you to turn to Matthew 25 uh, beginning in verse 31 And another reason why that's really captured here is how one treats other believers reflects how one treats Christ. How how one treats other believers reflects how one treats Christ. This is part of the Olivet Discourse before Jesus uh, you know the night before he was was betrayed and it says there in verse thirty one. Jesus speaking to the disciples, but when the son of man comes in his glory and the angels with him, he's speaking about what's, what's going to come in the future, this future judgment. It says he will then sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will gather before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. This is, again, the story of she- separating the sheep and the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then he makes this declaration to the righteous. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. And then there's this response in verse 37 of the righteous people that, he, that he's talking about. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothed you? When, when did we see you sick or in prison? And then Jesus answers, answers verse 40. The king will answer and say to them truly I say to you to the extent that you did it to one of the least of these brothers of mine even the least of them you did it to me. And then the counter of this is seen beginning in verse 41 where he's talking about the unrighteous. Then he will also say to those on his left depart from me accursed ones into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. And then the unrighteous people he's addressing respond in verse 44. Then they themselves also will answer Lord. When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick? And Jesus responds, verse 45, then he will answer them. Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Folks, how we treat other believers, Jesus says, is a reflection of how we treat him. And it matters. Let's go through some modern scenarios about hospitality. You know, there's a context of hospitality in your home. Having people into your home. Maybe people need a place to stay. Uh, People who come to the church, visiting missionaries, whatever. uh, Relatives, friends, people in need. uh, All different kind of life circumstances where that could be appropriate. Maybe you just have uh, people who visit your home for various reasons, Uh, extended family or friend of someone, or you invite people from church. Maybe there's a a plumber who you hire to come in and, and work. Are they received in a very hospitable way, even people for hire? Does your home have a context that people are blessed when they come into it? Because of your hospitable manner. There's also a uh, kind of a context in terms of neighborhood. Maybe there's a new family moving in. They know no one on the block. And uh, they have, you know, it would be very meaningful to them. For you to do something that expresses hospitality. Maybe there's other neighbors you don't know well. Just having them over, inviting them. For coffee for dessert could be a very meaningful thing to make a connection with them there's a context in terms of having a hospitable manner at work we all for those that work outside the home, uh, we have people who join the company uh, who don't know anyone. Do we have a hospitable manner toward those kind of people and in, in helping them along and thinking about their insecurities and and wanting them to be successful or just co-workers we don't know well having a hospitable manner to them and then clearly there's a context related to church I mean I think about the context of a Sunday school class uh, or a church service people who are visiting they're new to the church they don't know anyone they would love for someone to reach out a home fellowship group or Church conference where you're surrounded by people. People who are sitting behind. Do you know who was sitting behind you in church today? Did you even think to look behind to to see or the people in front of you? Do you have any awareness of what's going on around you and the needs of people, and particularly those who are are strangers? People who, uh, again, you don't know well. Maybe you've seen them. You just don't know them. And maybe you choose to say, well, I'm not going to do anything because I don't know what their name is. We have all these excuses that keep us from taking initiative to connect with people. Or just people, honestly, they're disconnected for whatever reason. They come. They tend to sit alone. They don't talk to a lot of people. and, And you can observe that. And you know that they have some needs. Are you one to to take initiative to make a difference for them what are some common excuses it's all over the board well I'm a shy person I'm an introvert so this doesn't really count for me Uh, no no excuse I'm tired I you know well they've not spoken to me so I'm not going to speak to them well my house my apartment isn't clean I prefer spending time with people I know and like, right? In other words, I like people who provide a benefit to me. How selfish is that? I've got plans. And honestly, think about it. We can always have plans, can't we? Because we never plan to be hospitable. It's not on our calendar like it should be. We'll be friendly when they are first friendly toward me. In other words, it's a reciprocal thing. Does that reflect the heart of Christ? Not at all. It's not my personality or gift. Folks, check it out. Hospitality is not a spiritual gift. It's a command. And it applies to me and you equally. And we're to do it. I was taught not to talk to strangers. Well think as adults we get beyond that but um, folks there are no valid excuses at least from an ongoing standpoint we get it yes we can have plans and there certainly can be legitimate commitments and things that keep us from from being able to do it you know constantly all the time but big picture do you do this or do you have these ongoing excuses The key thing that we need to evaluate is if there there are any patterns of recurring excuses that keep us from obeying the Lord and being disobedient and dishonoring to Him. Well, in closing, some personal application. If that's not already clear, it's certainly clear to me. uh, and, And convicting. First of all, evaluate and confess your sinfulness regarding patterns of disobedience and showing hospitality, sins of being selfish. Are you? you, I mean, just be honest. Are you naturally a selfish person? Are you lazy? Is your house always unclean? Or, you know, you just, Lord, that that's not honoring to the Lord. Stop being lazy and prepare your place to be hospitable for people, to be welcoming. Are you always preoccupied with other things, your hobbies, your other interests? Are you insensitive? Are you rude? And this is convicting, but folks, even in Sunday school or at some church event, do do you walk right by a person that you've never seen, don't even make eye contact with them, Don't even say hi. That is so rude. And I do that also and I you know it's. We've got to get out of our selfish American way of thinking. And start honoring the Lord by being friendly all the time especially to people we don't know. Second. Remember what it's like to be a stranger. And anticipate the needs of others. You all raised you know raised your hand earlier you know what it's like to be a stranger in a place and to feel alone to feel isolated to feel disconnected no relationships disadvantaged in that sense from a social standpoint folks there are people like that every Sunday here among us what are you doing to make a difference in their life and their experience Anticipate the needs of those who are strangers and and seek to meet those needs. Be proactive, eager, intentional, in extending hospitality and friendship toward others. Folks, have a heart that always seeks to pull people into your circle of friendship. Don't be a closed person that says, you know, I just want like three or four friends and that's it. And I'm keeping boundaries and keeping everyone else at, at kind of distant you know, arm's length. That's not the heart of Christ. Always be willing to extend the benefits of kindness and warmth, caring friendship to other people. That should be the core heart attitude that you have. It's, an, it's not only an incredible blessing to them, it's an incredible blessing to you when you do it. It really is. And folks, by the way, just to be clear, this applies to whether you're a college student, whether you're a single adult, you know, young professional, whether you're a married couple, married person with kids, married person with kids out of the home, you're in the uh, golden years of life, uh, maybe single or whatever. There's no exceptions. I, did you see any caveats in our scriptures? Unless you are in this stage of life, no. Everyone is to, to have this heart attitude. Finally, recognize that you were once a stranger whom Christ befriended. Christ loves strangers. Mm. Ephesians 2. 11 says. This is tough thinking about. Therefore. Remember that. Formerly you the Gentiles in the flesh. That would be all of us Gentiles. People separate from God. You were. At that time separate from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus. You who formerly were far off. Have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 19. So then. You are no longer strangers. And aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. And are of God's household. God loves strangers. And so should we. Garwood Anderson. Writes this Christian hospitality. Thus functions. As the emblem of the divine welcome. In Jesus Christ. Folks model. Christ. And share the heart. Of that divine welcome. With strangers. Often. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your instruction and this reminder about this clear expectation of your people. Lord, forgive us for how we can neglect this so easily because we're so preoccupied with our own lives, our own self-interest, and the things that we think benefit us rather than being focused on the things that benefit Those who are in need. Lord help us to grow. Help us to strive with. With renewed. um, Zeal. To reach out to people who are visitors to this class. People who may not know many people in the class. Those whom we sit. By in, in church. That we don't know who could be new. Or any other context of a, a group gathering or change our heart to where we're always open to loving on people we don't know because that honors you and it reflects how you have opened your heart to us who were strangers to you who were far off and you welcomed us with open arms in christ's name amen